Chapter 8 Traversing the boundary between humankind and nature, the pigeons left behind the concrete jungle of Paris and entered a countryside of green and gold. Their bird's eye views gave them unique perspectives over the land. Soaring high over farms and fields, they looked down at the many trapezia, joined together like a grassy patchwork blanket. At their altitude, they encountered all sorts of objects that are often missed at ground level. Planes, gliders, kites, hot air balloons, not to mention countless other birds, all going their own ways. They even saw some man-made birds, robotic, humorless helicopters. Drones to you and me, but to the four musketeers, they looked like evil mutant birds of prey. Luckily, they didn't attack. Avoiding all these wondrous objects, the pigeons whistled through mist and cloud as the sun sagged its way down towards the horizon. Nadia had assured them that, so long as they made it before dark, everything would be fine. But they were losing light, rapidly. If the sun disappeared, they'd be lost and out in the cold. The pigeons fast approached Calais and looked for signs of the bird smuggler Zizou or his warehouse. Yet they had no idea what to look out for. It was all top secret stuff. And Nadia, Zizou's confidant, hadn't given them much to go on. Some ten miles out from the port, the pigeons encountered a lone starling, which flew above them in the opposite direction. It was very odd for a starling to be alone up here, they thought. Starlings normally stay close to their murmuration, their troop of synchronised dancers. So, was this lone bird, just possibly, the mysterious Zizou? Then, the starling did something even more unusual. It flew straight above the pigeons, as if it hadn't even noticed them. Apparently, this wasn't Zizou. The bird was probably just a lost soul, trying to get back to murmuring with the rest of his crew. However, as the starling breezed overhead, something glinted in the air. A silver piece of paper began falling miraculously through the sky, shining as it caught the light. It looked like it could have been a sign. Although saying that, all shiny things, in fact, look like signs of great importance to pigeons. In any case, Thierry called out, Grab it, quick! As the paper was carried by the wind, it danced left and right, slipping through the beaks of first Alex, Michelle, and then Thierry, and was plummeting down towards the earth. Paddy knew it was down to him to recover the paper. He was flying below the others, so was the last rung on the ladder, the last hope of capturing the sign. After Paddy, it would be only air, nothingness, and loss. Paddy thought of his daring mother, MTM, who would have relished moments like this. His brain clicked into gear and he began beating his wind, wings against the wind to try and catch the silvery paper. Paddy soon disappeared behind a mass of cloud. Seconds turned into minutes. He was at the mercy of the elements. As the others began fearing for Paddy's safety, they debated what to do. Should they look for him? Or fly on the same course?
they opted to do the latter. And right they were. Paddy returned triumphantly, with the paper in his beak. He was breathless after his sprint, but the powers of courage had aided him just when he needed them, right when he took the decision to be brave. The other birds breathed a collective sigh of relief before agreeing to look at the paper together. They changed their flying formation so that they could all see it at the same time. They took great care not to drop it, with the wind blasting in their faces. They looked down at the paper and inspected it closely. The paper was a silver rectangle shape, with nothing but a symbol. A yellow asterisk. What did it mean? It could have been a message from Zizu, but it seemed unlikely. There were no directions. Was this even meant for the four musketeers? Maybe they should have just let the piece of paper fall to the ground. They decided to fly below the cloud now, so that they could see more birds. Perhaps one of them would be Zizu, or even a messenger. However, light was fast fading, and the pigeon's feathers looked like camouflage against the grey sky. Thierry started to look glum, as if the plan had already failed. He looked like he was starting to give up on his English romance once again. Alex said, Don't worry, we'll figure it out. Love always wins, in the end. It wasn't much comfort to Thierry, who had already lost in love many times before. For an old bird like him, he didn't have much time left. He had already accepted that if they didn't find Zizu, the whole trip would fail. Nevertheless, the others urged him onwards, praying that they would get to Calais soon. Paddy was now imagining, a little unrealistically, that they were about to be greeted by a friendly concierge who would escort them to Zizu's warehouse, wrapping them up in blankets, feeding them shortbread biscuits and steaming hot cups of tea. Unfortunately, only fancy pigeons like his dad ever got that sort of treatment, but he was long gone now. And as the sun dipped behind the edge of the world, everyone's disappointment was replaced by panic. If they didn't find Zizu soon, they would have to find food and shelter of their own. Paddy gazed down at thousands of small white strips, which covered a huge patch of land. It's a mass grave, Paddy, Thierry said, seeing that Paddy looked puzzled. It's for the soldiers that died in a human war a long time ago now. A mass grave, Paddy thought. He felt shivers. The Morrigan, Queen of Crows, and gatekeeper to the birdie underworld, suddenly re-entered his mind. I think I see it. The warehouse, Michelle said. See what? Alex said. What are you talking about? We haven't seen any birds, Thierry said. Michelle replied smugly. What you're all missing is that we're not supposed to meet a bird in the air. We're supposed to meet a bird on the ground. She nodded her head down, and sure enough, right below them was a gigantic, ashy-coloured building with a yellow asterisk on top. The warehouse. Finally, they had made it. Whoops and cheers and high-fives went around as they descended towards their target. While the others were celebrating, however, Thierry was typically cautious. He didn't want to show signs of his optimism even though inside he started to feel a sense of blazing anticipation, a burning love. 
Every flap of his wings was taking him a few inches closer to being reunited with his English girlfriend. Assuming he could get across the border, of course. And also assuming that he would find her amongst the thousands of pigeons in London. But that could wait till later. Squinting into the dusk, the pigeons could make out a metallic black starling lurking in the shadows of one of the rear entrances. If it got any darker, he'd be completely invisible. The perfect disguise, I suppose, for a bird smuggler. The four musketeers closed in, and a thought occurred to Paddy. Just how many foreign birds was Zizu concealing in this massive place? The starling looked suspicious of the travellers, and pretended to mind his own business, while he waited for one of the pigeons to initiate the conversation. A thick silence swelled in the air. Paddy plucked up the courage to break it. Hello, he said. It's Zizu, right? You see nothing, you hear nothing, you speak nothing. Understand? He turned on his heel and dashed into the warehouse. The four musketeers looked at each other blankly, unsure if this really was the bird in question. The starling popped his head back out. Don't just stand there, you fools. Come in, unless you want to be made into a birdie soup for the seagulls. Ugh, if only the gulls had some taste. I could make them a delicious soup with all that extra grain they're hoarding. It would be much less messy, Michelle scoffed. The pigeons did their best to suppress their chuckling, but the odd squeak still escaped. This is no laughing matter, the starling said sternly. The gulls have locked down the borders and locked down the grain. This is a crisis for many birds and their families who have been separated from their homelands and communities. Follow me. Once they were out of sight, in the dry and the warm of the warehouse, the starling quietly introduced himself. Properly. Welcome. I am Zizu. I offer you a room for the night, and the best advice I can give on getting you to England. But I cannot make promises. The gulls have sold their souls to the Morrigan in exchange for control of the birdie borders, and naturally the grain. Sold their souls? But the Morrigan is not real, Michelle said. Alex and Thierry nodded in agreement. You'd be a fool to doubt it. The girls have this the gulls have this coastline controlled with an iron fist. Gone are the days of free movement of birds. See, I told you, Paddy whispered, feeling vindicated. It's just like the Morrigan told me. She takes the hearts and souls of birds who no longer use them. Too right, Zizu said. And these seagulls are the most heartless, soulless creatures in the animal kingdom. Worse even than humans, dare I say it. The pigeons began bickering amongst themselves about whether the Morrigan truly existed. Hush, Zizu said. You see nothing, you hear nothing, you speak nothing. Understand? Zizu led them behind a curtain and into one of the building's vents. They shuffled through blackened corridors, hardly able to see, for what felt like forever. The vent must have been a mile long, around the outer perimeter of the building. Zizu took the pigeons past many families, shadowy groups of birds, faceless, nameless and voiceless, displaced and apparently unaccepted by the local gulls. They must have passed hundreds of such birds before they reached their designated nesting spot, which was situated near an exit vent 
on the far side of the warehouse. You sleep here, understand? Zizu said, as he laid a black cloth down to be used as a shared bird blanket for the four of them. Before dawn, head out through this vent. Ensure that you leave before sunrise. That's when the seagulls wake up and start their border patrol shift. You have a narrow window to get across the channel to England, with enough light so that you can see, but not so much light that you are seen. That, I'm afraid, is the best you can hope for in these troubling times. Now, go to sleep. I don't want a peep from any of you. Disturb me at your peril. I can call the Morrigan at a moment's notice, and she will see to you. The four musketeers thanked Zizu, and understood the challenge that awaited them tomorrow. How was it possible, though, to see and not be seen? There was only one way to find out. Paddy was exhausted. He'd already accomplished more today than in his entire life so far. But before he could revisit the events in his mind, he collapsed into the makeshift nest under cover of darkness. This time, though, he was wrapped in a darkness of security rather than the captivity of the train's upturned bin. He slept like a log.